Hey, Chosen Chosen Fam. Fam. I'm Liz. I'm Sarah. And welcome to Season 8 of the Tell Me About It podcast. In this season, we're bringing you more special guests, new topics, and the first ever Chosen Girl book club, which will take place at the end of each month. We know there's so much value in studying the Word, and we're excited to dive in to learn more about God and His call for our lives in a new way. If you aren't caught up, please feel free to subscribe and binge our first seven seasons wherever you find your podcast. And if this podcast has impacted you, we would be honored if you would rate us within your podcast app of choice. Grab your Chick-fil-A sweet tea and nuggets with us, and let's let's get get this party started. What's up, Chosen Girl fam? Welcome back. Yeah, this is our inaugural episode of our new studio. Oh my gosh. we It feels like a very full circle moment. It does. If you've been rocking with us since the beginning, you know that we started out by recording um, and putting everything up on YouTube. <laughs> and it was great because um, Hunter was behind the camera and he would give us like the number cues and everything. God bless him. I know. I know. I still found our cue cards that he wrote on and I I kept them (laughs) because I was like, this is a chosen girl relic. Like (laughs) this will go down in history of my poor husband being like holding up the time. But guess what? Now we don't care how long we go. That's true. So uh, (laughs) he's not here. There's no more time cards. The like, Lord tells us when we're done. That's right. They'll they'll go down in Chosen Girl history in the Chosen Girl Museum. Um, right. Yeah, that we have set up here. But welcome back, guys. We are so stinking excited. One for you to see our faces. Like we were talking, y'all definitely deserve to see what we look like while we're talking to y'all. <laughs> I'm like I mean, I'm picking like, at my head, and you know, we did put on makeup for you guys today. That will not always be the case, but it's our first one, so like. If you judge us, that's up to God to deal with. So, but no, it's our first ever Chosen Girl Book Club. Y'all, I'm so excited. And let me tell you, I have not, I don't know about you. Mm -hmm. I know that you, you were an English major Mm -hmm. in college. um, And I've always enjoyed reading. But after getting through graduate school, I was like, I can't, I I can't anymore. (laughs) I can't. I'm tired of reading. I don't want to read anything. Yes. And um, that's how I was after college. Yeah. You just like, your brain's dead. But I um, found out that on Libby, because I like to listen to lots of audiobooks, I could go back and look and see what all I read, like when I read the most, when I read the least. Yeah. And your journey for how long you've had the app. And it was really enlightening. I was like, wow, we have come a long way with like the amount that we, that we like how we prioritize reading. Because totally. I like it. So if you are one of those queens out there that is in school and you're like, I don't know if I have the bandwidth. That's okay. Do not feel bad. We'll give you some of the Spark Notes version. Just put it on your list and you can pick it up whenever you're ready. To yeah, get into it. absolutely. So if this is a book that you have read with us, thank you for reading along with us. If this is a book that you want to read with us, I would pause, listen to another episode and come back. But we really wanted this episode to be like 50% recap, 50% our discussion. opinion, yeah. discussion, reactions, that kind of thing too. So mm-hmm. we're not going to like give any spoilers, but you will get the general gist of the book. Yeah. So it's really great. So this, this book in particular, if you are not familiar, you haven't seen it on our Instagram yet. Um, it's nine things you simply must do to succeed in love and life. And it is by Dr. Henry cloud, um, who is a psychologist. He is amazing. And he's also a Christian. Our boy. Um, he peppers lots of, spe- lots of scripture in here. Like it's everywhere. And you can clearly tell in just the advice that he gives. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily, when when reading this book, I didn't think of it as a, um, air quote, self-help book. Mm-hmm. It was more so of like, here's some nuggets of wisdom that can help propel, propel your life. Yes. In ways, like utilizing what God has already given you by helping you make like the decisions and being mindful about how to be a good steward of the things that God's given you. Right. And so the, ain't that the truth? Yes. And the thing, the thing too, is, you know, we jokingly say all the time, yeah, I'm going to, when I get my life together, you know, mm-hmm. and when, when this happens, but the thing is there's, you don't have to wait. And a lot of it just comes up to making a decision, which can sometimes yeah. can be hard. 
This is a real action, like personable action based book. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that to scare anybody into like being like, this is so self-help. This is literally like life principles that if you accumulate them daily, Mm kind of reminded me of atomic habits, but like for your soul. Yeah. Um, And I know I've talked about atomic habits on here, which would also be a great book club edition. Mm -hmm. Um, That book absolutely changed my life. Um, But seriously, um, I feel like the tagline is almost a little bit too uh, cliche. Yes, for the wisdom that is actually in this book, um, because it it says the nine things you simply must do to succeed in love and life, which sounds like if you want to have a, a marriage one day, like read this book. These are the nine things you need to do, or like some kind of get rich quick thing. But no, this book was like hard work. It it was, and and the thing is, is it's. The principles. There's there are nine principles. It says nine things, but they're just principles. So they Absolutely. are the motivation behind the decisions. Um, yes, that you can make for your life. And it, it honestly was one of those that kind of even stepped on my own toes, thinking about for wow, sure. you, you really struggle with that, and you haven't really considered how this can impact you know other things of your life. So it was a nice heart check, like you said. It's good heart work. Yes, and I'm so I'm really glad that this was the first book we're we're starting with. Same. I feel like this is going to lay the foundation, and um, we're just going to take it like highlights, like a little highlight reel of each <coughs> chapter. Mm-hmm. And um, again, like you can find this on. Libby on Audible. Um, I will say that the audiobook reader was not Dr. Henry Cloud, and he typically does um, read his own books, um, like Boundaries, which is probably his most known best-selling book. He does read that, which I love that he reads that. But he did not read this one, but it, it, I liked the narrator just fine. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was just fine. Yeah. Let's get started. Do it, girl. Chapter okay. one. Chapter one, or principle one. Um, the title of this one is Dig It Up, and... It's really just about digging up from your own heart about the things um, that you're passionate about, the things that you really care about. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the first things that came to mind when I was kind of, I, I read the audiobook, loved it so much that I bought the hard copy book. Same. Um, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to need to go back and reread some of these sections again and underline some things. But when it came to dig it up, it's reminding me that the Lord has been, has intentionally created everything in this universe. And with that, that includes you and me and everything that happens. He is all-knowing. He knows no bounds. Like, he's all-powerful. But that also means that he intently gave you your hopes, your dreams, your passions, all the things that we all have. Yeah. And Dig It Up really dives into, you know, becoming aware of what some of those dreams are. Um, you know, and not just listening to them or just not just acknowledging them, but placing value on those because God gave them to you. Yes. Um, and it was with so much purpose. And so while kind of processing through that thought in my own review, I came back to just another thought that, um, you know, God has given us, you know, so, so many gifts, talents, and passions. And anything can be used for the kingdom. Anything. So true. It could be just a simple, you're holding the door open for someone, and that is used for the kingdom. Um, and these gifts and passions can be used too, but also we forget sometimes that the Lord can very easily give us things because he is our heavenly father and he knows that this is something that's going to bring us joy. Amen. And that doesn't mean that it won't be used or it can't, that's not the intent to be used for, for the good and for God's good, but that also because he wants us to see us, he wants to see us be happy. Yeah. And I think sometimes we can, we can forget about that when we're also pursuing some of our own passions, like Yes, I have to use this. This yes, it's all for God's kingdom. But don't for don't let those things like suck the joy out of something that was a gift from the Lord for you. That is so true, and I think that that joy and I know joy and happiness are two different things. But I think that the whole debate of like, does God want us to be happy? Like that's a big like social media debate amongst yeah. Christians sometimes. But I'm like. A fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. It is. So we're not talking about like circumstantial, like, oh, I'm not happy unless I have X, Y, or Z in my life. Like God wants us to have joy because that is a fruit of his spirit. So that's so that's that's how I feel about it. No, that's so true. And so, you know, some of the things that are listed here, um, and just some these are just some wisdom things that are listed kind of at the end of the chapter that I thought were worth mentioning. Um like, listen to what bugs you. It might be a message. 
so as you're digging it up, not only are you finding the things that you care about, that you're passionate about, the things that help drive you, but also listen to that gut. Oftentimes, I know for me, it's the Holy Spirit. Right. When something just doesn't feel right, when something is just like doesn't settle well, you know when you know. That's and true. when that happens, you know, act accordingly. But also, like, don't let long-term wishes and dreams go ignored. Like, find out what they mean. Like, because these things yes. have been given to you by God, it's worth exploring. Yeah. It was not by mistake. It's not an accident. You know, any of the things. Um, something that I thought was really good was face the fears and obstacles that have caused you to bury your treasures. And that can be really scary. And I think about, you know, if you had... Um, in particular, this is why this is coming back up. So if you saw the Super Bowl, then you saw uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph get sing Lift Every Voice, which is... Yes, she looks stunning. Yes, she that did. She's red jumpsuit. Beautiful. My gosh. Which, I mean, also, if in case you didn't know, it's the Black National Anthem. And it's a song that I was taught by my parents when I was a little girl. And I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that it was Black National Anthem. I didn't know. Yeah. Anyway. But, um, so it was really, imp- it was really impactful that she sang that. But if you were an OG and you're a Sister Act girly like me, mm-hmm. then you know that in Sister Act 2, she says a famous line to her daughter that music doesn't pay the bills. Because her father always chased after that dream and he died and never got to see it come to fruition. And so in that, she is out of out of seeking for in the movie sister act out of seeking her daughter to like not make the same mistakes as her father and waste time and money and resource and hopes and dreams she's saying this isn't it's not even possible so she's almost for trying to like kind of force her and coerce her to bury those dreams Mm -hmm. and the gifts that she has and do through her involvement with the catholic church and sister mary clarence and everybody she kind of gets to see her dreams lived out a little bit um and her mom even seen like she really has a talent but all that to say is it really reminded me once again that how easily our fears can help, can vary um, and restrict our ability, like our willingness to let the Lord use our gifts that we do have, those dreams that we do have. And so if you're, if you've, something's been on your mind coming back to you time and time again, at least puts, it's worth the investment to, to explore it a little bit. If not just for, you know, if you think it's a business venture or whatever it may be, or just simply for your own health. Like you're just like, I just need a hobby. This is something that brings me joy. This is something that helps my mind rest. Mm -hmm. You know, it's worth pursuing. Amen to that. Cause I, I'm really, I think that our generation is like overcoming this a little bit better. Yeah. But, um, probably the first thing that comes to my mind is, is how many things have not been done because of other people. Too many. How many songs have not been written? Podcasts not been started. Um, ventures like businesses been started I'm like man like that is honestly so devastating to me and I use that word not dramatically like I think about what could have been done slash accomplished Mm -hmm. if the fear of other people's opinions wasn't in the way yeah so that's principle one dig it up yeah do some heart do some soul searching look in your heart and see what the Lord has, has has put there for you yeah um, the second one, I feel like these like transition so well into each other. Um, and principle two, and and these are we'll kind of mark these with chapters. So principle one was mentioned in chapter three. There's like um, chapters one and two kind of set up like the, I guess the base for mm-hmm. the book, talking about what kind of person are you trying to be. Yeah, and then um, how these principles are not something that he made up he calls them hidden in plain sight like things are just like gravity like you can't see gravity but if you're falling off of a ladder like you you can see gravity at work so these are like nine principles that like are hidden in plain sight they're not like some big grand secret of the world like just for elite people or Mm -hmm. you know people in government like these are principles for everyone that are just like gravity mm-hmm. like these are like you've got to do actual heart work digging up reflecting in yourself what has God given me what do I have to bring to the table and then principle number two which is probably one of my favorites it's called pull the tooth and so uh there's like a little quote under every single principle and I thought that this one was so great and it says Nancy Astor says if I were your wife, I would put poison or I would poison your coffee. And Winston Churchill replies, and if I were your husband, I would surely drink it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, what a 
caddy. What a caddy <laughs> guy. Response. Yes, I love that. So pulling the tooth, basically, um, and I feel like this can kind of be taken the wrong way in today's society, but like if it's applied correctly, it can really absolutely change your life. And that is not holding on to negative things in your life. Yeah. Um, I, I highlighted a few quotes by Dr. Cloud. It says, successful people do not hang on to bad stuff for long. Deja vu people, which are what he calls successful mm-hmm. people, get rid of bad stuff, period. Sometimes quickly and sometimes through a process, but they get rid of it. They do not allow negative things to take up space in their lives, draining them of energy and resources. If the tooth is infected, they pull it immediately. They have little tolerance for nagging pains that are unresolved. They finish off the problems and do not allow them to remain. They get rid of negative energy. And a story that he tells is about a good friend of his who has like a super successful company in his first year. And uh, after his first year, he sells off 80% of his company mm-hmm. for like pennies on the dollar, like undercuts himself. And Dr. Cloud's like, dude, like, like what, are you doing? what are you doing? And his friend was wise enough to see that that 80% was hindering the good that was in the good 20%. Mm-hmm. And his and after he did rid of that 80% that was just kind of fluff, he ended up like skyrocketing in his business in the years to come after that. So he really just like pruned, yeah, which is a biblical principle, yeah, pruned out the bad. That is, I love how we continually go back to the nature references in the Bible mm-hmm. of letting God prune us. We are the, he is the vine. We are the branches. We got to prune out anything that is not beneficial yeah. to our own branch and also not beneficial to the vine. Um, I think that cutting out toxic people is like an often phrase used today. And I do think that that is like 1000% important. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's an excuse to gloss over situations and cut people out of your life when you could have confronted things and, and worked through things. Like if there's a lifelong friend or your husband, like you don't just cut out your husband. Right. (laughs) Like if there's a disagreement, but if there is toxin in your life if there is something that is not no longer beneficial mm-hmm. to you if it is draining your positive energy because mm-hmm. of its negative energy that's when it's time to go it's oh, yeah. time to be pruned and i think of pruning as a great example because i think of weeds that grow in yeah. even though weeds grow exceptionally well probably one could argue that weeds grow better than flowers in a lot of mm-hmm. cases in a garden that doesn't mean that they're good. Yeah. I also think of another nature reference of like, as soon as someone that works in the produce department of a supermarket sees that one apple is starting to bruise, they immediately take that out of the bunch. Oh, yeah. Because they know that that apple is giving off the chemical that would cause every apple that it's touching to go bad. Mm-hmm. Then just multiply that effect like a domino. Oh, yeah. And so they know it's got to be removed for the sake of the whole bunch. Yeah. I think I love this. I love that reference because whenever you're, if you've ever um, had to prune anything or if you enjoy being out in the garden, but even if not, when you're pruning or cutting things back, it looks like you're cutting good things back. Mm-hmm. And that thing can still be a good thing. Those flowers are still beautiful. Yeah. And that does not change the the value or, or the beauty of what's being pruned back. But still knowing, even though it's beautiful, even though it's it's good, all those things, but this is what needs to happen so that we can get to the result at the end exactly. that we're looking for. And we, we've seen the Lord do it in, in our own lives. I mean, if you, I'm sure most people can look back, and if not, just keep living. You'll have that so moment true. where you look back and you're like, at that point in time, I thought these people were really good in my life. Mm-hmm. I thought this opportunity was unmatched like anything else. And then suddenly those opportunities are gone. Those friendships are gone or whatever it may be that you thought was so good was gone. And you can see the lessons or what that opened up for you to be like to have access to later. Yeah. And that's an example of, of our, the pruning in our own life. But um, I think anticipating that and being prepared and, and trusting God through that process is really important because it can be painful too. It can. And, and I wouldn't mistake the pain for it being incorrect. Yes. That's so true. I would not mistake that. Um, 
uh, one scripture reference that he gives is talking in Corinthians where Paul is addressing them saying, talking about food, yeah. but it can apply to many things. It says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. So mm-hmm. like you can be friends with these this big group of people or this particular person, or you can take on this extra workload or choose, I mean, any name a choice, name a life choice. But not everything is beneficial. Like, just because you can, does that mean that you should? Mm-hmm. He also says, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Right. And this is in 1 Corinthians six twelve. And even though he was talking about food, the principle can apply to time, energy, like how we, like, how we let things control us, how we think mm-hmm. let people manipulate us. Um, and I love how Paul, he was determined to not let even things that were okay have control of him yeah. in any way for the worse. This could be with taking control of uh, maybe some toxicity in your job where you're doing things that are in your job description, just gracefully stepping down from those things because it's affecting your family life. It's affecting yeah. your mental health. Um and Dr. Cloud, he says, uh, when we allow anything to dilute our focus, um, that applies to our time and energy. Even though it may not be a bad thing in itself, it may not be individual. Because everything takes up time, resources, energy, attention, and you never know how that may be preventing you to getting to where you want to go. So I think right. that kind of going back to principle one and digging it up, this is another thing that you need to dig up and maybe take like an inventory mm-hmm. of what is life giving and what is life sucking yeah. in my life. And some, t- some things that are life sucking are just like non-negotiables. Like, you know, it sucks the life out of me to have to pay for gas and fill up my gas tank, but it gets it. me to where I want to go. That's so right. that's life giving. Mm-hmm. So we're good. Mm-hmm. We're good. And I I do think that sacrifice and service is still important, but even like serving in your church, that fills your cup in a way. Yeah. But if if you're serving too much and not getting fed, yeah, is that when you need to start pruning? So balance. I would do like some checks and balances. Mm-hmm. Um, even do it with an accountability partner to see, like, do like a time audit. Yeah. On your life and what's what's sucking and what's giving. That's real. That's principle number two. Principle number two. Pull it. Pull the tooth. Principle number three is play the movie. I love this one. Me too. And he references it several times throughout the rest of the book. For sure. Which, and it makes a lot of sense, but to, um, to make a long story short, um, to play the movie is essentially like roll the clip back. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you think is going to happen? Play it out in your mind. What you think will happen. Um, and it's and this can be used in nearly any situation. So true. Um, I'm sure you can ima- you can imagine like a movie where someone sees something into the future. They act a certain way. They see the full thing play out, and then it all rewinds back to them just choosing between: Are they going to do what they just played out in their mind, or are they going to do something else? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really like that the visual aspect of this principle. But one of the things that um, <clears throat> that I wrote down was. Think through all your options. And for me, this came back to um, a personal like experience that I had when I was interning in Washington, D.C. I had a really great group of 4-H'ers. And um, before, like our, our advisor had always, or our boss had always said, think through all your options. And never, like all summer long, I'd never really had to think through all my options until we kind of got into a bind. Yeah. And so I had a moment where, I thought to myself, wow, when I made that decision three days ago, I did not think through all my options. Mm. And now it's kind of becoming like it's it's caused a headache. Yeah. And I think we all can like reflect back on moments where we're like, oh, why, did, why didn't I think through all my options? And so I really like this because going forward, um, you know, it's like it's kind of like the, the same thought of measure twice, cut once. So true. You know, or, you know, think before you speak. Yeah. Um, but it, it can be applied to, again, literally everything. So there's a section in here that even covers, like, um, your relationships, your parenting, morality, your health, and thinking about, yeah, this can be a small decision right now, but roll the clip. What mm-hmm. happens if you keep making these decisions? Or there's an example that he gives of a guy that's wanting to make some health-conscious, like, decisions 
um, that are impacted because um, his parents or one of his parents died of like congestive heart failure or something. So he's trying yeah. to be healthier. Um, and he's like, yeah, you keep trying, which is great. We love the effort. But if, if you keep trying and it's not working, roll the clip. What has happened time and time again? Right. It's it's time to reevaluate and change your actions accordingly. So I really like this this principle because of how practical it really was. Um, you know, thinking about what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Is this really going to benefit you in the end? And it's really taking that, not thinking so much short term, but thinking long term. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that we're necessarily borrowing our worry from the days to come, um, though that's a comment that is made um let me flip over to the page in here because I wanted to make sure I, I quoted this correctly. Um, because I don't know if you're, I'm a worrier. Oh yeah. I was just about to give like a caveat for those who are anxiety prone. <laughs> this, this is one of those moments. Um, but it says like they, to, <clears throat> so successful people here also mentioned as VIP people, um, or not VIP people, um, deja vu people, pardon me. Um, often borrow trouble in a way that they can give a payoff. They borrow trouble from tomorrow in situations that they can do something about. They worry ahead of time. Um, they do play the movie, and then they take action um, steps to make sure that they are ready when the scene arrives. Yes. So that is not to say when you were playing that movie over and over again, and this kind of also, I saw a clip today that said something that was like, when people um, really struggle with anxiety, thinking through those those conversations and argument, those stressful situations, to the body, it's like living them six times over. Yeah, even it I can once. attest to that for sure. And I'm like, that's very real. And so this is, you know, this is not to say that this action stuff is going to get rid of all of that. But something to really think about is like, what can, can I control the situation? If I can, what action steps do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And then taking that responsibility to make it happen so that when you play the movie, or when the actual reality happens, you're prepared. Hey, man. Because you might be like me. I hate feeling unprepared. Girl. And you so do this to me all the time. Girl. You help me with this all the time. <laughs> so I, I can attest, like, this works. It's trying and true. Also, one of my friends just walked up here and waved at me. So if you saw me, be like, I forgot that we we're recording on here, too. So <laughs> just trying to be nice to everybody, y'all. It's, it, it's a shift. We need, like, a recording sign outside. We do. That oh, would be official. So that would yeah. be real cute. We'll because because so many people are dying to get up here while we're recording. <laughs> They're just like, oh, my gosh, I want to see the podcast happen. I'm waiting for the train to come through at any moment. I know, literally. Always there is knows. not a live studio audience here. <laughs> Despite popular belief. Anyway. But, yeah, that's so that's... um. I'm sure that we'll mention that a few more times as we continue to talk about what it looks like for us to, to play the movie. But um, this principle has also been really helpful for me in things that have been stressful. Yeah, you practice it well. Thank you. I appreciate that. I thought of you with this, that principle, yeah. I feel, I feel very honored because sometimes I'm like, why are, you, why are you anxious about this? And I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, um, but thinking through like, oh, if if this is how you feel right now, then you need to think of solutions, like mm -hmm. change your situation, change your perspective, your perspective, or do nothing. Like, yeah. pick something and stand by it. And then I would stop playing the movie. Yeah, stop playing the movie. Don't go back over and over yes. and over again. For our anxiety people, yeah. Yes, yes. It's, you know. If you've got a plan, stop playing the movie. That's it. That's yeah. it. Just stick to your guns on that one. And something that I do, if you're a anxiety planner, Write it down, write down yeah. your plan, even write down your conversation, like how you want your part of the conversation to go and then like leave it. Yeah. And it, it has helped me so much. It's almost like I've submitted it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to say, you know, praying over this. We're done. Okay. One, Until the conversation comes around physically. So. Yes. And one big thing that has also helped me, especially if you were a reviewing back conversations or arguments or you know whatever has happened before mm -hmm. or you're just really anxious about what might come up is identifying what is an assumption and what is truth mm -hmm. what has already truth. happened that's a truth right but saying that this person's going to respond this way i know it is an assumption that's true and we shouldn't base our our actions and our responses based off of just a good guess that we might have. It doesn't mean that you're wrong, but it also doesn't mean that you're right. Yeah, that's and, the truth. And so that can also help with borrowing that worry. It's like, oh, you actually don't know this to be true. So all you can do is is control what you have control of, mm -hmm. and the rest we have to we have to work out. We have to practice yeah. to stop playing the movie and let it go. 
I'm still practicing. Every day. Every day. Yes. We are unfinished works. And, and I've never been happier to um, say that. Like, God cares enough to continue working on us. Yeah. So, yeah. Ain't that the truth? That's principle three. On to principle four. This one's probably one of my faves um, because I just really, it, it just really resonated with me because this is something that I personally struggle with. And that is doing something. So principle four is do something. And the way in which he approached this principle blew my mind. He's talking about this woman who's really frustrated with her sister and they've had a disagreement, which he's a psychiatrist, psychologist. So like he has clients, clients. you know, mm-hmm. so he's talking from experience here. So she's having issues with her sister Um, Her sister thinks that she has done something or said something. I don't know the nature of the situation, but she didn't. And she is upset, basically, that her sister is upset with her over what is presumptually nothing. So um, I think that that this is so interesting, this approach that he takes. I'm just going to read a little bit of dialogue. Um, So... He he asked her, you know, she's saying, this bugs me. This bugs me that she's this way. Like, I didn't do anything, but I'm getting the brunt of it. And he says, okay, so when you were bugged, who's bugged is it? He asked. What do you mean, who's bugged is it? She asked, slightly exasperated. Just what I said. When you're bugged, when that feeling is inside of you, whose gut feeling lurking? Who Who's Oh, my gosh. Whose gut feeling is that lurking in that moment? Mm -hmm. But when you were bugged, whose bugged is that? I persisted. Well, mine, I guess, because but I didn't cause it, she says. I didn't ask who caused it. The only or that only Matt. Can I read today? Am I okay? Girl, you're good. Keep it up. I didn't ask who caused it. He said, I'm like, okay, Dr. Cloud. The only, that only matters to a judge in a court. If you decide to sue someone, if it rains, you didn't cause it. You didn't cause it to rain either, but it is your head that gets soaked if you don't come out of the rain or open an umbrella. So in a thunderstorm, are you going to just stand there, get wet, be miserable, and say, God caused this, so it's his problem, he should make the first move, question mark? Mm-hmm. Do something. Yeah. So this is a huge thing to me. I don't I don't know why this resonates so much with me, probably because I'm very non-confrontational, but... You are responsible for your own feelings. Yeah. You're responsible for your own actions and how you react to things. Yeah. What caused those feelings is not any fault to you. That's not your fault. What someone did to you, how someone treated you, Mm -hmm. what has happened to you, the life circumstance that you're in, that is not your fault. However, your actions and reactions after that, yeah, that are. is your responsibility. Yes. So the the question is not who who caused it. It's what am I going to do about it, mm-hmm. and then doing something about it. My grandmother always has like this amazing quote that she says, and it's you can be dealt a really bad hand and still win the game. Yeah. And I don't think that I mean this can definitely apply to life circumstances, but for me, I think that it really um, harks on matters of the heart because. I can look at a situation and think, oh, well, they acted poorly, and now I'm over here worrying about it when they're not even worried about it. Have you talked to them about it? Yeah. Have you tried to confront them about it? Have you tried to ask them what may have caused this behavior in them? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and whatever they do with that confrontation, that's up to them. That It's the same thing. Like, they are doing something about it and responding immaturely or angrily or however they choose to respond but your responsibility is your feelings not theirs Mm -hmm. and also vice versa your feelings are not their responsibility so true so he says um deja vu people are the type of people we want to be here i'm gonna let y'all read for yourself about deja vu people i ain't gonna say nothing about it um they ask themselves the question what can i do to make this situation better yeah taking ownership Yes. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking with a really good friend of mine years ago. It's probably been like five years ago. And I noticed that when something bad would come up in her life, like it would just like, like it was over. Like there was no solution. Like, okay, here's this problem. And I was like, can I like give you some advice on something? I said, listen, we're going to be 
given lemons every freaking day of our lives. Yeah. Like we are on this imperfect earth living in this imperfect world with imperfect people. There are going to be lemons given to us every day. And you can either have lemons or you can make lemonade. If the choice is yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and this is not hardship Olympics, like comparing people's lives, hardships no. or, you know, like I can hand you lemons and you can sit there and be like, dang, why Sarah give me these lemons? That's stupid. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, let me add some sugar and water. It, whatever you decide. Yeah. Again, you can change your situation. Do something. Yes. That's you adding sugar. You can yeah. change your perspective and be like, wow, look at these lemons. Like this is a gift. Or you can do nothing. Yeah. You can sit and complain. That's like Hunter, like Hunter and I have this policy to where like if either of us has a headache, we never mention it to the other unless we've taken ibuprofen. Wow. That's so good. <clears throat> like, because. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I didn't even do the basic thing for myself. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Why don't. Also, I'm just going to briefly inter- interject in there. I'm like, why do we always try to fight things like that? If you've had a headache, and usually you don't mention it till it's been around for a few hours. Yeah. And I'm like, then why do you be like, no. Someone's like, here, you want some medicine? No. Yeah. I'll be okay. I just, I'd rather suffer. Self-sabotage. Why do we do that? We're dumb. Okay. We're dumb. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, yeah. but I'm like, I feel like I see that too often. Anyways. But anyway, there's a lot in this chapter that go into... How? What does doing something look like to you? Is it apologizing to someone? Is it confronting anyone? Is it dealing with your own hurt and anger? Is it uh, making amends or healthy communication? Um, and then it talks about like even like with certain things like relationships, dating life. Like here's just some practical knowledge. And he bullets it all out. I don't. I know y'all probably won't be able to see this, but like. With your dating life that's not working, how ask yourself, how can you meet new people? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, join a dating, dating service. Uh, deal with your own dependencies that are making you come across as desperate or needy. Yeah. Dang. I said take responsibility. Yes. Listen to this. Call for, former boyfriends or girlfriends and interview them about why it didn't work and what they think that you could change. But, like, it, for someone who's wanting to get serious, yeah. and, like, that's not everybody. That's fine. But if you're wanting to get serious about something in your life, what are you doing about it? Right. Yeah. Can Can I tack on with something that I loved at the very end of the no, chapter? No, tell me. Yes. Um, he says that, you know, God did not plan for us to sit back and allow life to follow the course of least resistance, becoming miserable, oppressive, unjust, yes. full of mistakes, unloving, poverty-stricken, ugly, lazy, ne- um, negative, and evil um, without, to, without moving to do something about it. Such passivity is as far from reflecting the image of God as one could imagine. Yeah. And it's like, wow, you're, yeah, that is not what he has called us to. Yeah. And so if we, if we find ourselves in that spot... I think it's important that we not only acknowledge, but recognize. So when I say that, like, not just like hearing it, but like hearing it with our head, but hearing it with our heart too. Yes. That this is not what the Lord has for us. Amen. Um, but yeah, this was, that was such a good, such a I good chapter. I love that one. Like what you going to do about it? Yeah. Do something. Yeah. Um, principle five is act like an ant, which I thought was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the, the, I, the, excuse me, the quote that's at the very top, or, um, right at the beginning of the chapter, when you have a great and difficult task, something perhaps almost impossible, if you only work a little at a time every day a little, suddenly the work will finish itself. Mm. That's the whole chapter right there. Yeah. Life is full of daunting tasks. And I will be the first to say that there are times when I honestly just feel so overwhelmed that I'm just like, I can't even imagine I can't deal with this right now. Right. We've. I think. I think it can be safe to say that at least once in your life, you will feel that feeling. Oh yeah. Um, maybe every day it, it might be <laughs> for a season, especially like sometimes you're just going through it. Yes. But the thing is, it's like recognize that there's a big task before you, but you can break it down. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just as simple as saying, you know what? I'll do one thing that scares me today or one thing that stresses me out today. Yeah. I'll prioritize to get that out of the way first and I'll be done. Because once you find out you do one of those actions, then it's much easier to do the next action. And you keep so repeating true. yourself to do those little actions. It's kind of like the same theory with, you know, if life is a painting and every brushstroke is a day, you know, what does your painting mm-hmm. look like at the end of the day? But also, like, as long as you c- complete your task, 
no one's going to come up to you and say, how long did it take you to actually right. like to do all of this? You know, how much, you know, did you get it all done in one day? Did you work tirelessly for hours and hours, you know, every single day for the last six months? Like I think about from in my field of work, like a dissertation or something like mm, that. Yeah. Or even when I was working on my, on my thesis and I would talk to my peers because there was an option to test out of it essentially. And they're like, I would never choose to do that. It's just far too much work. It's really hard. It's really scary. I don't want to do that much writing. And I said, well, if you break it down and you do a little every day, if you break it down into, into steps, it's not yeah. so scary anymore. Um, and that doesn't mean that I always follow that same mind, that same thought process. But when I get stressed out, that's one of the first things that comes back to mind. And it's been yeah. a good practice. Something that I think of that I may have mentioned on here before is something that my junior AP English teacher taught us with writing papers. And she taught me how to be a good writer with this. And it's called chunking. And she said, you know that with any like literary paper that you're writing in response to um, a short story or a novel, that you're going to need a thesis paragraph, a conclusion paragraph, and three main points. Like right. That's the blueprint. And if you know that you can make your three main points, and then you know that you can talk about those in several sentences, you've got three paragraphs. Yep. And then all you got to do is introduce those and wrap them up. So... Let's just say you know one point better than another. Start on that paragraph. Yep. Write on that. One paragraph out of four, done. Or out of five, done. You're done. Yeah. And so, I and I love the 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 psychological aspects that he put into that. I don't know if you remember, he told a story of his friend who would like, like lose tons of weight, like in a very short yes. amount of time. Uh -huh. And then she would gain it all back in a very short amount of time. And she like, that's a very unhealthy pattern. Even like when you look at our bodies, right. like what our bodies are designed to do, like you're not supposed to lose that much weight in that short of amount of time. And he's like, you know, you need to deal with not getting that instant gratification on the scale if you're measuring yourself from one day to another or from one week to another, yeah. you're going to be dissatisfied if you just see half a pound or one pound or however much in whatever amount of time. But because of that, you're not living a realistically healthy lifestyle yeah. that's good for your body. So that's why it doesn't work is because you're not really looking for the change. You're looking for the result over Right. What could be lasting in a principle in your life. Oh, yeah. And so I'm like, man, it's me. Like, not right. not necessarily, like, I know that he used ways as an example. And I kind of hate that that was the example because I know that that's probably what a lot of people would hark to, like, think about, mm -hmm. like, goals in their life. But I'm like, okay, let's talk about our spiritual life. Yeah. Like, if you start doing the you version, like, Devo that they put, the five-minute Devo they put on every single morning. Yeah. And you do that for five months. Where is your life going to be after that five months? But you can't check in and be like, <clears throat> God, you know, I'm, I don't know. There's lots of memes that kind of that play out the same scene. But it's yeah. just like, it's been three days of reading my Bible. Why haven't you answered my prayer yet? Literally. <laughs> or it, it could be anything. It's like me after going to the gym for three days. I haven't lost any weight yet. Yeah. It's, you know, whatever it might be. It's little by little. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. Right. And recognizing the power of the small things. Yeah, it ma it it matters for the long run. It really does. And um and not th I yeah I think all the time nothing great was formed quickly. Yeah, it takes that's time. so true. It takes effort. It takes energy. It's not. It takes failure. Yeah, it takes a lot. I have of a things. blog post on this. It's called "We're All Builders." Y'all have to look it up. Yes, firm believer in this one. Mm -hmm. So that was um, principle number five. Okay, principle number six. It's a hot take. Okay, and I love it. <laughs> I love it. Principle eight is hate well, H-A-T-E. You didn't yeah. hear me incorrectly. So um, I, I, I found this extremely interesting because you think, oh, hating is bad. We're Christians. We, we aren't supposed to hate things. Yeah. But that's actually not true, and it's not biblical. We are called to hate well. Um, and a quote that he says here is, character is in part formed by what we hate because we move to be different from whatever that is. So hate is actually a really great motivation mm -hmm. in life. Um, and Romans twelve nineteen says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Um, 
and I think that hate is a good motivator because it helps us move against the if, if we do hate well it helps us move against things that are not supposed to be in our life well yeah and an example that he gives is he's counseling a couple and he clearly sees that one of the spouses has learned to hate the other person because of their behavior and not learn to hate the behavior and work from there. Mm -hmm. So instead of working from, okay, you hate this, how can we change it? He was trying to get her to completely change her thinking into not hating her husband. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so, um, One of the quotes he says is that successful people move against the problem Mm -hmm. and show love and respect to the person with the problem at the same time. And another way to put that that's really simple, um, and I want to get this quote right, is to go hard on the issue and soft on the person. Yes. And ways that we can do that um, are when you're approaching someone, if there's an issue like... Let's just say there's a friend who may not be a very good communicator. Instead of rotting off that friend or holding bitterness against that friend and then eventually like blowing up on them, do something. Another principle. It's it's going to take other principles in this to accomplish other principles. Oh, yeah. And say, do something and say, hey, I've noticed that communication seems to be an issue. I hope that you feel like you can always reach out to me. Like, mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of like break down any barriers or any boundaries that you may feel in that. Like, and, and this can be with a relationship at work, romantically, just a friendship. Like, you know, first start there. And then if that behavior continues to spiral even after your attempts to say, hey, how can we fix this problem? How can I help Mm -hmm. with this problem? Is there anything that I'm doing? And this will go back to another principle of being humble and humbling yourself and saying like, hey, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're going through something that I'm unaware of. And if they're not and that toxic behavior continues to be a pattern and not just an instance, you can love that person but distance yourself from them yeah. do something and pull the tooth yeah i love i love that you just wrapped all that in there like all, right. li- all of these are working like in tandem like yeah. perfect like a little team mm-hmm. working together because like seriously you if you don't hate the right things then inevitably you'll be hating like it it has to go to a default yeah your bitterness is is kind of left in like no man's land. Mm-hmm. And so therefore you're going to hate the wrong things. I think that this happens a lot in church. Ooh. And this breaks my heart. Like a lot of churches do things really wrong. A lot of Christians do things really wrong. Because we're human. Because we're human. Yeah. And that's not like I have so much respect for our faith. I have so much respect for what God intended the church to be, but we can't sit here and say that we do everything right. We do things very wrong. And that's because we're imperfect people that maybe don't practice all of the principles that we're supposed to practice. Um, But people end up hating God and not hating the maybe religious practices that people have chosen to subscribe to. Um, cause I hate the religious practices that some people choose to subscribe to cause it's really oppressive. It's really hateful and judgmental and that's not at all what Jesus designed. So he kind of ends up getting a bad reputation mm-hmm. because of misplaced hate. I love that later in the chapter, it mentions, you know, deja vu, pe- deja vu people tend to have an immune response to things that are truly infectious, poisonous, toxic, or, or Yes, dangerous. I was literally on that page. Girl, so good. I mean, like, when I was like, yes, that is the goal. Yes. The goal is to, to have an immediate autoimmune response, an immediate response to the things that don't align. Absolutely. With, like, with what you've been called to, with, with the character that we've been called to. Yes. And so, you know, what does that look like? But especially honing in on the action is kind of that same quote that we've all heard, you know, hate the sin, love the sinner, mm-hmm. you know, you, and I think that also transforms how we handle conflict, um, and making us better at handling conflict when you see that, yeah. Oh, I'm not, I'm not attacking this person. And sometimes if, and that person feels that way, sometimes it's because we've placed too much of our own identity in a certain action or practice. 
Yeah. But, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes that, that might be calling ourselves out. If someone says right. like, and we won't even just dive in that far into it, but the long story <laughs> short is, is it's important to, to recognize, Hey, this, this behavior, this action causes this, we should fix it. We're not fixing you. We're fixing the issue, whatever it may be. Absolutely. Yeah. So good. Hate well. That's the first time I think I've ever read a book that said anything about hating well. But yep. it had a lot to say. Don't be hating hateful now. Now, um, <coughs> right. I love this next one, girl. I can't wait to hear what you got to say. I was about to it. say, I was mm-hmm. like, I know that Sarah loves this chapter. I Don't do. play fair. How many times have you heard, girl, y'all play nice? Y'all it's play not what fair. you think. It's not what you think. It's not that. Don't get it twisted. It is saying that if someone walks up to you, and you know we've heard if someone slapped you across the face, it's saying, "Don't slap him back." Mm-hmm. That's and that's a hard pill to swallow. It is saying that we we say all the time that we want someone to play fair, but this chapter what it's really talking about is grace. That's grace truth. on grace on grace, and he mentions um, you know doing business with a business partner that there is was getting ready to go through with the deal and you know start doing business together. And essentially found out that his partner's one that likes to play fair, meaning that if he did him dirty or he decided to pull back or he wasn't pulling his weight, that his potential business partner's response would be to mimic that same response. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but that's not the type of partnership in business, in relationships, no. in friendships that I want to be a part of because real life doesn't mean 50-50. It realistically, it's impossible. It is. It's, it's impossible, and it's not biblical either. No. Um, Jesus like completely destroyed that when he was like, "Okay, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye." And people will quote the Bible all the time, and be like, "The Bible says an eye for an eye." Uh, uh-uh, baby. That's not it. That's, that's not in the, whole the story. old, the old deal. The old law said that. It's it's not anymore. Not anymore, we're, honey. You're called to more. He says, "But I tell you." If somebody slaps you on cheek, turn the other one and have them, have them just go ahead and slap that one too. Yes. Yes, he did. And some of the scripture that's listed here in this chapter is, you know, love your... Oh, hold on a second. I'm out of... I don't want to cut this off. Um, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Mm-hmm. Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Right. Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. That's, some, that's next level. <sighs> You know, do not repay anyone with evil for evil. Be careful uh, to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's one of my favorite verses ever. That's Romans 12. Romans 12 is a great chapter. Romans knows. I mean, Romans, the whole book. what's going on. It's great. And then one of them, um, also from Romans 12, do not be, excuse me, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Yes. What he's saying here is, Return the return bad with good, return good with good. Yeah. In in essence, do good, period. Period. That's it. And you know what? That will be shocking to everybody around you. Yes. And they will wonder what is going on with you. And then yes. you can share the gospel with them. That that is the honest truth. That's what God had in mind. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And the thing, I love it. The thing is too, is I also want to put that that does not mean that you just lie down and take whatever from whoever, if they are, if they're causing you harm, if they're, you know, all these bad things, someone can do bad to you, but that means that you're not retaliating. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you don't get a chance to stick up for yourself and say, this That's is what right. the truth is, but that means that you're not spitting bad things back in their face. That's the truth. And so we have to remember that too, that, that, um, because I feel like sometimes we feel the need to do that. Yeah. Like, oh, if they're going to, if they're going to talk bad, let them talk bad. If they're going to, if they're going to give me a silent treatment, I won't talk to them either. Yeah. That's not it. Then you're being just as immature as them. Yeah, come coming back with the do something. I've been there. Coming back with the play this play the scene out. Yep. You know, it's very easy to say, "Hey, I understand." You know, if if there's an, an argument happening between friends, yeah, it can be really easy to be like, "I'll just yeah." If they're not going to talk to me, I'm not going to talk to them. But what you can do is say, "Hey, I know that there's something doing something. I know that there's something wrong in this relationship mm-hmm. um, that we need to address. When you are ready, we can address it." And you extending that olive branch, but not just doing it once, but continuing to reach back out. Mm-hmm. That that's is you. Rough. That it's hard, but that's you doing good. If they choose not to respond, that's on them. But you know that you've gone, that you've done your due diligence. 
to do good. That's right. So I absolutely love that. Don't play fair. You know, they say that grace seems so unfair until mm. you need it. <sighs> so I encourage you to be the one that extends it, mm-hmm. even when it's unwarranted, Amen. even when it's hard. That it's perfect segue into principle eight, and I'm gonna keep it keep it short and sweet. Uh, be humble. Yes. Be humble. There's a, a few quotes I do want to touch on, um, and one is by Ezra Taft Benson. It says, "Pride is concerned with who is right. Humility is concerned with what is right." And I, another one: humility is not having a need to be more than you are. So you don't have anything to prove. You don't have anything to gain. And successful people, the way that they perform in the arena of humility um, is to be who he or she really is, a human being just like everyone else, and avoiding to need the need to be any more than that. Yeah. Like, that is crucial in all of this. And I think that you have to be humble um, in order to understand the other principles like doing something, it may take you humbling yourself and saying, Oh, where am I wrong? Yeah. In pulling the tooth. Okay, so the toxic things in my life may have something to do with me. That's hard pillows. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Digging things up, like even the last principle that you said, talking about going to people and extending that olive branch. it's all under the umbrella of humility. Yeah. You do this you do both of those principles so well. Thank you so much. You're I feel welcome. like it's something to work on. Girl, you, do you don't know well. my thoughts, though. But you still, you still <laughs> do something, and you do the right actions. Girl, well, I'm glad it comes across that way. No, I'm not <laughs> trying to be fake, but, like, you, the internal struggle. Yeah. No, like, there will be it's struggle. literally fighting against the flesh of, like, oh, so I've got to be the bigger person. The answer is yes. Yeah. The that, answer is yes. That's always, that will forever be the struggle. Is fighting against what our flesh wants. Yeah. And and two parts of that that are mentioned here is admitting quickly when you're wrong. Yeah. And receiving correction and confrontation from others well. Yeah. And that's really that's really rough. But we also have to remember like how can we expect to move forward in any arena of our life if we never think we're wrong? Yeah. Yep. If we, like how are your relationships gonna look if you are the only one that's right all the time? Yeah, it's a pretty crappy relationship, uh-huh. friendship, whatever. You're that's right. all I got to say about being humble. Well, here we are at the last principle. I know. Dun, 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 dun. Upset the right people. This one's a good one. This is, is this is for our our people pleasers, our recovering people pleasers. As our president, <laughs> I can attest this is for us. This is yeah, yeah. The, I also just belched a little bit. If y'all heard that, I'm sorry. <laughs> just kind of a little something something <laughs> real going life. on. Real, this is this is real life. Um, the quote that's here is, I cannot give you the formula for success, but I can give you the formula for failure, which is to please everybody. And this is by Herbert Swope. I'm not sure who Herbert was, but he was right. He was so right. Thank um, you, Herb. This one, I, I found that this principle is also like just kind of tough, as in it's very exposing. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I do. Like we, It's easy um, on us to keep people happy um and the thing is like not making decisions based off of the reactions of people um is hard how many times have we made a decision based off of trying to intercept the reaction negative reaction from someone yeah and there are times you know there are times when one decision or the other it's not going to make a difference and in those instances it is okay to make the one that makes someone happy if you're like you want Taco Bell or KFC? You know, if someone's like, and you're like, I don't really care. All you do is go to the KFC Taco Bell. That's right. Everybody's happy. Yeah. <laughs> Why well, make a choice? The end. That's the book. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, when it comes down to it, you know, it's, it is important that you are, it's okay to upset the right people. That's right. Um, so that's it, hard. And that but is it's hard. hard. Yeah. I, I've been in that situation personally. Um, and it was a time when I was in college and somebody did something in a student org that just was not right. Mm. And it was not fair. And it impacted someone else's ability to participate in that organization. And the thing is, is realizing that it was not right due to some information that came out about it. I had to make the tough call to call those people out and correct it. 
Mm. Um, cause it was really just all based on, you know, things that weren't done correctly to that begin is rough. with. Yeah. And it was really hard to confront friends in that moment, but I decided that I would much rather be upset or have those people be upset with me mm-hmm. than for that other person not to get the chance they deserved. Yeah. And that is not a moment for me to be like, I'm high and mighty and I've mastered this principle by no means, but I'm here to tell you that upsetting the right people can also be really hard. And sometimes those right people are your family. Sometimes they are your closest friends. Yeah. Sometimes they are your employer and it's really hard, but you, you really have to roll the movie scene and you have to think, can I live with myself if I don't upset this person? Right. And I think that his use of the word upset is really intentional um, because to upset is to not purposefully disrespect right that person or dishonor that person. Making someone upset has nothing to do with what you think of their character or your relationship. Like it's not an insult, even though some people can be insulted by your actions. I love that he's using the word upset mm-hmm. because... If you feel God calling you to do something in your life, if you feel that your life is going a particular direction that you know you're keeping in step with the Spirit, you're in prayer, like this is the decision that you're supposed to to make, at the end of the day, it really comes down to who are you pleasing? Those whose opinions you can physically see and affect you uh-huh. because they're upset or God's. Yeah. And that's that's real. That is very real. And that's real. hard. Yes. And I've been there and it sucks because code, the word here is codependency. And how I would describe that is, can I be okay if this person is not okay with me? That's a hard, it's a hard pill to swallow. And if you're making a decision in your life based on that, like I'm doing this because I cannot be okay if this person is not okay with my actions yeah. and opinions and X, Y, Z, like, no, that's, that's extremely skewed. Yeah. Extremely skewed. I'm like, are you codependent on somebody or are you codependent on God? <laughs> I'm just saying. Boom. <laughs> it'll become close evident. the book. It'll become evident real quick. But you know, on that same thinking about that, you know, causing someone to be upset with you, um, you know, recognizing the difference between being hurt and being harmed. Oh, that's very different too. because yeah. sometimes people will, um, will put, if you, you're, you're just imagine you're making a tough decision, you share this tough decision and someone, you knowing that you are causing hurt because yeah. it's not what someone wants. And it's very possible that someone plays that off as you causing them harm. Mm, yeah. And that's really tough to deal with. Yeah. You know, um, even though there can be pain yes. and upset, that is very different than intentionally or unintentionally harming someone. And I think that that's really yeah. hard um, for people to understand when you're in the emotion of that. It is. And I like that he added um, a Proverbs here. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Mm. And so I think it's it's also really important to recognize the power that someone's perceptions and thoughts about you can have on you. Yeah. And coming back to that, you know, who's, who are you willing to upset, you know, this person or God, again, you will find out real quick, but then you have to recognize I put that person up on a pedestal. Mm, yeah. I, what am I going to do to reevaluate that situation and put God at the rightful place in my life? Right. But it changes everything. Yeah. It changes how you feel about having tough conversations and doing tough things. And some of the tough things that are even, um, mentioned here, like firing a person, confronting a person, saying no to a request, um, saying no to a request because it would violate one of your values, you know, doing an intervention with someone because it's because of their destructive behavior. Mm, These are yeah. all things and examples of where you would have to upset the right person. Right. But just like in the example that Sarah gave earlier, you know, um, when that when the man had to cut 80% of his company, he didn't have to, he chose to. Mm-hmm. That was upsetting the right people for the for the greater good or for yeah. the good of the company. Um, and so tough decisions, we'll, we'll all have to make tough decisions at one point, point or the other. And it's just important to, to recognize it's like, yeah, is this, am I upsetting the right people here? Yeah, that's really important. It is, it is. Um, but yeah, that, those were the nine principles um of the nine things you simply must do but i have so enjoyed reading this book 
where it's practical. Yeah. I felt the same way. I'm like, it's, I loved how much scripture is really peppered throughout here. And you can really see, and, and especially y'all know having read the Bible in a year and gotten through and heard all the stories and even going back through now, seeing how some of these same principles have been played out by people throughout the Bible. We forget that they are not necessarily these Olympians of doing the the will of God. They are normal right. people just like yeah. us. But it is when they come back and they make those tough decisions and when they make the right decisions at the right times. Like that's that's really what it comes back to. That is so true. And I want, um, if you guys are reading this or planning on reading this, I do want you to pay special attention to the last chapter because it talks about how to become this type of person that, that practice these principles. And the three things that really stuck out to me the most was, uh, don't isolate yourself. Don't do this alone. Make sure that you have accountability. Um, another thing that I think is absolutely crucial is, um, finding structure yes. in this and like having goals and a plan. And then the last one is prayer. I was, that was, yes. Yes. The last one is prayer. Honey, invest in your relationship with the Lord. Absolutely. Like petition the Lord. Let, let your requests be known. Mm-hmm. He already knows that they're there. He want he long he longs to have a relationship with you. Absolutely. The Lord knows, but he wants you to tell them. God, show me. What teeth I need to pull in my life. Yes. God, help me be a humble person. Yes. God, help me do something with this. What action is what is the one that I'm supposed to do? Exactly. Like, prayer is key. It is. Amen. That's the nine things you simply must do. Yeah. I hope y'all enjoyed it. This was such a great read. Like we said, would go gladly go back over it again. Yes. Um, but if you have other suggestions of other books, please let us know. The next yeah. book club at the end of the upcoming month will be Holier Than Thou by Jackie Hill Perry. Oh, JHP. So excited. So excited about that. But um, please give us some feedback. Let us know if you've read the book. Give us your, you know, let us know if you enjoyed it, what you learned from it. We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. We hope you enjoyed our, our first book club ever of yes. Chosen Girl. This was so fun. And and our first back uh, visual experience yeah. seeing us. I hope you enjoyed please it. no Just... negative reviews on that, please. <laughs> We are sensitive. So if you have a review and it's good, it is welcomed. If you have a review and it's bad, send yourself an email and you will feel like you did give us that bad review. So we really appreciate it. (laughs) What if if companies actually said that? Yeah. Yeah. Being able to take criticism in one of the non principles is something I'm still working on. So don't do it yet. Yeah, Anyways. just being real with y'all. But anyway, I hope y'all have a great week. Um, yeah. This was technically episode three. Wait. Four. Four. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We're, your girls are actually ahead in your scheduling and your normal Chosen Girl programming. So I didn't even know where we were in this journey. So it's really good to be here. <laughs> That's Y'all Y'all know this is our side hustle for the Lord. And we're it doing is. the best we can. But we so appreciate you for coming along on the journey. For sure. Um, But we can't wait to meet you right back here next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Bye, guys. Bye. Well, Chosen Girl fam, that's it for Season 7. Thank you so much for joining us for our Seasons of Life series this season. We hope you feel seen, loved, and mentored. We pray you have a wonderful Advent season leading up to Christmas Day. As usual, if you ever need us, you can find us on Instagram or at thechosengirl.com. And feel free to bench this season or others on your podcast platform of choice. We love you all so much and are so honored to have you here. We will see you in the spring of 2023 for season eight of the Tell Me About It podcast. Bye. Bye.